And welcome to the Detail Business Podcast for February 8th, 2018. This is podcast number 62. I'm one of your hosts, William Sellers. I'm Eric Malatesta. I'm Michael Faisley. I'm John Nettles. And we're back. We haven't done, this is the first podcast of 2018. So we, we've uh, had a few months where we had to readjust. And holidays. Kind of, and, and deal with holidays. And now we're jumping back in uh, with our podcast. So let's let's get started. Today we have uh, two two engineers from from the company Veeam. Veeam is a partner of ours um, that brings us backup and, and recovery application uh, that we're, we're we're very happy to have our customers consume and and they're happy using it. Uh, I'd like to introduce Nick Whitman and Brandon McCoy. Nick, um, tell me a little bit about your tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll move on to Brandon. Hey guys, yeah, thank you for uh, letting us join today. Um, so. As you mentioned, I work for the Veeam team. I work on the cloud and service provider team. So my primary focus is working with service providers, cloud providers to help, you know, build out their business and, and help them offer services uh, to your customers and listeners and, and things like that. So um, that's my primary role. Uh, and then we've got Brandon McCoy as well, who uh, who works closely with me uh, more on the technical side. Uh, Brandon's one of the engineers here. So, Hey, Brandon, how's it going today? Hey, it's going great, guys. Thanks for having me today. Uh, good to be here. Yes, yeah, so I'm Brandon McCoy. I am an inside systems engineer supporting um, the cloud, so all of our uh, Veeam cloud service providers, and I am also an overlay for our federal end users uh, located in Atlanta, Georgia. Perfect. Well, today's topic, we're going to talk about Veeam backup for Office 365. Wait a minute. Which Office we- 365 doesn't have backups? No. Well, <laughs> we'll get into that in just a second. Uh, so from now on, we're going to call that product VBO, right? So v, uh, Brandon and Nick, that's what you guys call it, right? When you're out in the world, you'd say VBO, or do you say Veeam Backup from Microsoft Office 365? Yeah, I like jump, VBO. Okay. Yeah, I, I, uh, I use it as well. There's a lot of acronyms out there in the tech world, though, so I guess it just depends on the audience. But Yeah, yeah. VB, when you're typing documents and when you're going through this, <laughs> typing that out over and over again makes your head crazy. So I, I, I do it once. I say, you know, put it in parentheses, VBO, and from then on it's VBO, and I'm a lot happier. Absolutely. But anyway, before we get started, I want to say special congratulations to Michael Faisley. Michael Faisley is, is just recently moved into a manager role uh, over congratulations, Michael. the network engineers. Congratulations. We're very proud of you, Mike. Thanks, guys. Really excited. So let's talk about VBO. Kind of what is it, um, Brandon or or Nick? If you want to, if you want to start off, um, you know, telling telling our listeners kind of what is VBO, and then we'll get into some of the some of the meat and potatoes. Uh, Brandon, why don't you start there as far as what it is, and then I can kind of go into you know why Veeam, why backup for O three sixty five, if that works. Yeah, absolutely, Nick. I- and so, yeah, so, um, you know, Veeam backup for Office 365, and uh, you guys kind of already hit it on the nail. You know, a lot of customers that we speak to think that um, ba- uh, Office 365 is a backup, um, but it's not. It's just a platform. It's a service for Exchange. And so Veeam comes in, and we do a, a mailbox archive of those customers' uh, cloud exchange environment, and we're also able to support both uh, cloud and on-premise exchange when you just want to back up at the mailbox level and uh, make sure you have your data at your fingertips on-prem. Right. So one thing I want people to understand is, um, as you said, this is not for necessarily disaster recovery because a lot of customers will go, well, how is this different from my normal Veeam BNR backup, right, that I can just power on a VM and it comes online, there's my mail. Uh, 
this is really meant for just getting the messages backed up, right? Yeah, mailbox or individual email or or yesterday's uh, hit shift delete by accident and right, absolutely. It's not necessarily for I need my whole Exchange server back up, but where we see our clients really moving to and asking us about is, hey, I need to back up my Office 365. And really, some clients that we talked to, in fact, I was talking to someone yesterday, and they were like, hey, I'm already in the, uh, Office 365. Why do I need to back that up? That's being handled by Microsoft. And I was like, well, you know, Microsoft does a really good job of high availability. Mm -hmm. And if a region goes down or a data center goes down, your, your, your email will route to another data center. It's replicated, and that's fine. But what happens when you delete a message, right? And and Microsoft does give you a little bit of leeway when you delete a message, maybe thirty days. But what about that person that quit and you wanted to save their mail? And well, that's you know, true. You right. well, if you go delete a mailbox, yeah, right. If they quit, you still have to go and delete the mailbox. But uh, if you made an accident or a whoops, you know, you have some time to get that back. But uh, it's not really meant for long term, right? Yeah. So that's where Veeam comes in and solves that solves that problem. Right, so the misconception a lot of people have is, hey, it's, I've moved to cloud, it's protected. And it is from a high availability standpoint, but not from data protection, right? Yeah. Same story. Yeah, absolutely, guys. And if I could just jump in there, we've had, you know, live scenarios where we have customers on the phone who, you know, maybe their uh, former CEO or, or someone in the company quit and their all their data, all their emails were in Office 365. And, you know, Microsoft usually prunes those after 30 days. So uh, with the Veeam product, you're able to keep that data for as long as you want, so long as you have the storage to um, to keep that data. So it, it can be crucial when uh, when you really need that data and you go to Microsoft only to find that it's not there any longer. Exactly. So Nick actually sent me a, a blog article from Veeam, uh, I think yesterday, and I read it, and I was like, man, this really does, this is good information for clients. Uh, and it goes over really the, um, you know, the, with the explosion of Office 365 with, with, with email, uh, I think um, it, it, they, the, Paul, is it Matt's? Matez? I'm mispronouncing uh, Mattis. Mattis. Yeah, Paul Mattis. He's the uh, he's the global VP uh, for Veeam. Yeah, he's for, like, uh, all cloud. He's yeah. like you know the adoption of that product is like skyrocketing 327 uh, percent in by in by Q4 of this year. So you got to get this stuff protected. So you guys, the blog article is great. I'll actually put this in the show notes. But uh, Nick or or Brandon, if you want to elaborate on some of the objects in that that blog, uh, I think we'd all love to hear it. Yeah, I can I can jump in. So I think one of the key things that he mentions here that um, that is important is you know to remember that Microsoft 365 is a SaaS platform um, at the end of the day. So uh, although they take on the responsibility of application uptime and underlying infrastructure, it's really up to the customer and the service provider uh, to manage and protect their vital data uh, business data. So um, I think that's key to to think about um, that that's really not their primary focus. Um, that's really up to to you guys uh, to make sure that you're handling the, um, you know those backups and, and being able to recover your data. Um, so a couple of the key points that he mentioned as far as you know why backing up O365 is critical, um, and I'm not going to go into each one of these, but I just wanted to touch on them. Uh, there's really six that he identifies. Um, one being you know accidental deletion, which you guys touched on already. Um, the other being retention policy gaps and confusion, which there's more information um, that, that uh, Eric and the team are going to share. Uh, internal security threats, external security threats, uh, legal and compliance requirements, um, and then managing hybrid email deployments and migrations to Office 365. So those are the, the six identifiers and, and use cases, I think, for backup uh, for O365. 
Gotcha, gotcha. You're gonna you're gonna add that to the news, right? For for the podcast itself. Absolutely, I'm gonna actually put a link to that blog article in the uh, in the information in the podcast notes. So if you have a you're listening to this on um, on you know the podcast app on iOS or Android, you'll be able to click on it and get to that that uh, that, that article. Thank you. Um, so you know we kind of talked about you know what problems does VBO solve. And really, it's you know data protection, long term, you know long term retention of your data. The the thing that I also want to kind of hit on is a lot of customers, you know, that are were maybe hesitant to move to cloud because they don't feel they have ownership of their data. Um, you know, I don't think that's necessarily true with Office three sixty five. But to be able to get this backup outside of Office, so the thing to remember is the Veeam server acts really a lot like. A standard backup and replication server, right? It's a machine you deploy in your premises, right? And that can be a physical server, or it can be a cloud server, uh, you know, a virtual server running in just Hyper-V or whatever flavor of, of, of hypervisor you want. And when you do the backup job, the actual data from Microsoft comes down to your premises. Yeah, and you set this okay. up just, and, and, and look, I don't know, you can set this up, but I can guess. So you're basically going to say, hey, create me a new account in Office 365, give my mailbox. Um, you know, uh, uh, more authority within the mailboxes that are already there, the uh, uh, send as, receive as type c- commands, and then I'm going to be able to grab the data out of Office, and I'm going to be able to create a PST or some kind of other backup here locally on my own repository. For the most part, yeah. Yeah, you run yeah. a backup job, it connects to Microsoft, uh, starts starts backing up the mailboxes and puts that data in a proprietary format. Right inside the Veeam repository on on your premises or wherever. And then it just looks for changes day to day as that's, you run it day to day. That's correct. So really, the the problems that it solves is you know data protection, getting that long term retention uh, back up. Um, we talked about differences between HA and actual data protection on on multiple podcasts. You know this is something Microsoft handles the HA and high availability of your data. Backup is really on you, right? Whether you whether you understand that or not. Yeah. And then compliancy, right? When when you have auditors or dealing with compliance regulations, you have to show that I'm actually having this data backed up. And email is still is a very hot object uh, for compliancy, right? Because people, especially if you're looking at in, in a legal situation, you have to be able to get to your email. And the one thing I like about Veeam VBO is there's a fantastic search capability. I can go through and search my emails. I'm looking for anything, whether if it's a date and time range. Is that on a single mailbox or a, is that across mailboxes? I can mailboxes? do it across mailboxes. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I can go through and actually search for mail that maybe I, I want to, I'm looking for a keyword or something like that and it'll show me. Yeah. So you could do is. legal retention. You could say, hey, go pull me all the uh, emails that have this keyword in it from all my client or all my users and I want to compile it into one set of uh, email lists. Absolutely. Now, when yeah. we talk long-term retention, is there any cap on that? No. Well, so in the drop-down, when you're when you're setting up your your your, uh, your repository, you have a choice of one year. Mm-hmm. I think it goes three years, five years. I think it's fifteen years, twenty-five years. Wow. And then it says forever. So technically, forever. technically, you could do backups forever, right? Um, so yeah, a lot of a lot of good repository. You know, okay. you'll need to have some storage, obviously. Yeah, of course. Uh, like any backup, you know, backup server should. You're gonna have to have some storage. But remember, it's 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 email. It's not. We're not backing up a VMDK or a VD, VHD. We're just getting, 
email messages, right? So this, so you said earlier, maybe it's a question for the Veeam guys, but you said it was in a, a proprietary format. So in that format, are we like taking EML files and sticking it into some kind of uh, compressed format so that we're we're saving space and all that? Yeah, so I'll take that one. So there is some compression. Uh, there's no deduplication like you would find within like a, uh, a VMDK or VHD file. Um, so there's no really dedupe, but there is some uh, compression functionality within the Veeam software itself. Okay. Yeah. So it, it helps of uh, hopes of minimizing the size of your storage. Right. Absolutely. Right. So and really, it, it's a little bit of of you know as we're launching the product here internally into our customers, uh, we're going through some sizing exercises. Uh, to kind of get a good idea of what the repository space will be. But I think as as the product evolves and as more adoption of this product evolves, uh, I'm going to hope that Mr. Mr. Uh, Dewin, that me, uh, has some nice sizing tools that we can go to and, and, and get that information. Uh, a lot of people use dewin.me to do yeah, sizing of we've uh, used it before, right? Veeam BNR, yeah, it's yeah. a critical, it's it's a fantastic tool. Um, unofficially, right? It's not a, it's yeah. to use, but it gives a really good gives you an idea, really good an idea of how much repository space you'll be consuming. Awesome. So, so with this product, and, and I'm I'm familiar with uh, the rest of the Veeam products, right? So, mm -hmm. does this product require all the proxy gateways and stuff of that nature, and a repository and all that, or or is it a single VM or a single uh, machine with a service on it that's just going out there collecting the data and sticking it local? So, one of the things that I do like about this product, and this is where you know when we talk about how is it different from VBR, right? So, they're, they're two different products, and the the Veeam uh, VOB Veeam Office Backup uh, doesn't depend on hypervisor, you know, because we're not backing up anything in, in a VMware or Hyper-V environment. So we're just talking to Microsoft. So the, the deployment methods can be a lot easier. You can run this on a physical machine. You can actually run it on a desktop, like if you had a Windows 8 or Windows 10 machine, you could actually run it on a desktop class operating system. Obviously, you know, you may have some benefit to doing this on a server, right? Uh, Windows server. But you can deploy it on physical machines, virtual machines, or any cloud platform of, of your choice. Nice. Um, so, um, Brandon, you want to talk about the components and kind of, you know, you have some of the same terminology. You have the VBO console, you have a proxy server, you have a repository server. You want to talk a little bit about that and how that's different from Veeam BNR? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you kind of hit it on the head. Um, so the VBO server itself can be a physical or virtual machine. Um, you know, there's some uh, benefits to doing it, in my opinion, um, on a virtual machine if a customer already has a Veeam backup and replication, especially if you want to get some additional copies of your data, right? So the repository is uh, on the machine you install the product in by default, and that can be scaled out to additional machines over an IP address or DNS name. Um, but when you back up to that machine, machine, that machine is now holding all your data. So what happens if, you know, that machine goes down? So with the Veeam backup and replication, you can actually then take a snapshot-based image of that VM and then maybe send it to a, a cloud provider uh, or just, you know, another location. So for additional security. That's a great um, point. So now you're talking about having two copies of the backup, which is even a better, a better scenario. 
Absolutely. That machine goes down. You can spin that VBO server back up. Not only does it have all those uh, services on it, it's also got all that mailbox data. Um, and so, yeah, so, um, you know, kind of back to the question of the components themselves, um, the machine by default has all those services on there, right? So it's the repository. It's also the proxy that's going out there and talking to Microsoft to get that data and bring it down into the repository. And again, uh, with one of our most recent updates to the product, everything can be scaled out from proxies and repositories. Uh, and then the components themselves. So there's actually two components that are installed when you install the product, right? And that is the Veeam backup for Office 365 itself, which is actually doing the backups. And then there's the Veeam Explorer. Uh, and any any customers uh, who already are familiar with Veeam backup and replication probably know and love the uh, Veeam Explorer from Microsoft Exchange. So that's how we're able to do a mount of an image and, um, you know, browse all the different mailboxes and really grab anything that's in the EDB itself, uh, whether that's permanently deleted, contact items, uh, you know, and of course, mailbox items that can be moved uh, from back into that person's mailbox, maybe to a different user's mailbox, and of course, exported as a PST. So those are really the two components, the uh, the Veeam Explorer that um, is already included with Veeam Backup and Replication, uh, but it's just kind of uh, coupled into this product with the backup for Office 365 itself. Gotcha. The thing that uh, I will say about this product is I, I always have felt that Veeam backup and replication was easy to set up, easy to configure. Yeah, you have to do some homework, right? But it's fairly straightforward. Uh, I will say that VOB is is even uh, or VBO, VBO is even simpler, right? It's actually uh, very easy to set up. There's there's I think I feel that there's fewer moving components to to worry about, um, and the installation time really if you're doing it on a single server is you know. Let fifteen minutes, right? Yeah. So, I, so my question really is: so he he mentions the VBO console, the proxy, the repository, as uh, and then he also mentions that these and they they all run on the single the single server. Um, he also mentions that they've built it to be scaled out where they can be separated. So, my question for them would be: what, can you give me an example of some uh, of a time we'd want to scale them out or to separate those services? Yeah, absolutely. So there's the just kind of uh, there's some hard limits, and then there's rules of thumb, right? Um, you know, if your if your mailboxes are um, you know going a lot slower, the performance issues you're having, um, definitely just having an additional proxy. Um, as long as you can afford that Windows license, um, it's definitely going to help with load balancing. Um, but as far as hard limits, so those repository proxies usually handle about 64 terabytes, so um, they're pretty they're pretty bulky. Um, you know, so there's not necessarily a, a big reason to have multiple repositories uh, if you don't need them. Um, and those proxies are pretty good as well. But there's it definitely doesn't hurt to maybe have an additional proxy. Uh, you can definitely have multiple proxies going to one repository for that extra load balancing, just being a little more efficient in the backup itself. Okay. Yeah. A little bit about the proxies and, and repositories. So the proxy is, is, as we all know from Beam, you know, BNR is a data mover. It's actually what's doing the work, connecting and doing the services and uh, compressing and getting the files on disk. Uh, it's also where we set throttling or the number of threads that we want to pull from from the Microsoft O365. So that's something that's a configurable setting in the proxy server. Um, on the repository, that's actually where we set uh, retention. Where in BNR we would set this on the job or 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 you know as you're doing a backup job or a backup copy job, we actually set the repository. Um, it, it holds the retention, whether you're doing two years, five years, 25 well, years. It brings and up what, some questions then. Well, the question that I actually, when I start talking to clients, is like, hey, how do, maybe I want to have some customers. Uh, maybe I want to have my executives. Right, that's right. where I was going. So this is, I know where you're going. <laughs> I saw it in <laughs> your eye. I saw it in your eye. Long. I saw it in your eye, Eric. 
Um, some customers are like, hey, I want to have my executives have a 25-year retention policy, but maybe everybody else I want two. And what we're doing is we're creating just multiple repositories. We have okay. one repository that has that retention period. Another repository has shorter or longer. You basically set up a job that copies certain mailboxes to one repository. You, there you go. Yeah. Perfect. So when, we, when we're configuring the job, instead of saying backup all mailboxes, we say backup these then, particular ones, and we right. choose them. And then we say that backup goes to this repository. Uh, another backup job goes to another repository. Now, and that's can you how choose we mailboxes based on security groups or, or distribution groups? So you can say if a user is created tomorrow and they fall into the secretary's uh, user group or the executive's uh, group, they immediately get that retention. You know, I don't think so. I think you have to, you know, you either do – question and this, that, and, and since that we, we have, can send to their since, engineers. Since we have Veeam on the call <laughs> – this is a great time for us to ask that question to them. And I, my feeling is, uh, you know, you can, as you, and I know this for a fact, that is as you add new mailboxes, if you're choosing all mailbox backups, it does get added to the backup job. But I yep. don't think it actually, you know, if you're doing like, since you're not talking about OUs and things like this in Active Directory, you're just talking about Exchange That's right. online, I don't think it actually lets you do that. That's correct. Unless you wanted to add them by um, separate organizations within Microsoft themselves, uh, all you can do really is exclude, include specific mailboxes uh, based on that username. Okay. And you know what? I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I was just wondering. I mean, it's, it's, you know, sure, it's a great question. Yeah. yeah. And who knows? Maybe the roadmap uh, in the future, you know, we might have some kind of functionality like that. But uh, as of now, that's how it's done. Yeah. Awesome. No, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. It works. It, it, the, the product works extremely well, and. It's the, my thing is it's just very easy to use. I mean, you know, I think my mom could probably install it and back up her whole <laughs> 65. It's that simple. So, um, so, uh, so let's go to this next bullet. Well, before we do that, I want to touch one more thing on the repository. Uh, awesome, right? Because a lot of times people will ask me what are the requirements, and I, I like to. And any time I get to say ReFS, and we all drink. This is where we have whiskey at our, at our in our in our area. And whenever I say ReFS, we take a drink. Um, we'll be doing that all day, day long. <laughs> I'm a big fan of ReFS file system as it pertains to backups. Um, but no, the, the repository has to be a physical block device. So it's got to be, you know, uh, physically attached to the VM. It can be a, it can be a VMDK. It can be an RDM. Uh, it can be, uh, you know, but it SAS. cannot be an NFS mount can't, or a SIP mount. Can't in the documentation, as per the official Veeam documentation. It as of right now, SMB three support is uh, experimental. So I think maybe, in, you know, maybe later on this will be, you know, maybe Veeam can say something about that. But right now, it's it's not fully supported. So uh, I think what we're doing is doing. So you the know, way around that typically is like if you're in an ESX environment or even a Hyper-V environment, you're going to go ahead and create yourself a connection to the store, and then what you're going to do is build your disk on that store, and that's the way you're going to get around it. Correct. And it's really not a problem. It's yeah. just a lot of times people will say, well, hey, maybe I want to put this on something that's a file instead of block, maybe Isilon. You're just going to create a VMDK on that file system, and then the, the repository will just use that VMDK. It correct. won't know that it's on a file system. The thing it has to be is it has to be NTFS. Or ReFS. So that's kind of the two caveats. It has to be a formatted that's file right. system. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. That's correct, guys. Um, so, you know, and, and so we're going to talk about a little bit about sizing uh, yeah. and kind of, you know, when I, when we start here at Air Detail, when we're talking to clients about, you know, hey, you know, once, the, once, once they are sold on the product and they're like, hey, we really want this, uh, what we do to size them, um, you know, as we look at the first thing we do is have them run a PowerShell script. So we have a PowerShell script that we wrote 
that actually will go out to Microsoft Office 365, pull down uh, the user list. Mailbox with the, the mailbox, yeah, with the mailbox size in another column, we take that into a nice CSV file. Uh, are we worried I didn't about say CVS? <laughs> are CSV. we worried? Are we worried about not just mailbox size, but total mail messages? Because sometimes I find that small mailbox size-wise, with a ton of small messages, are actually more difficult than a, a mailbox with, you know four or five gigs of mailbox space, but all the files are, you know, one meg or two megs. Well, you know, Eric, when I, when we wrote the script, we just got the the name and the size <laughs> of the mailbox. But you know what? It takes one more get mail statistics command yeah, to get awesome. the number of messages. So, yeah, we'll add that into our script. Maybe I mean, does help. it matter? I don't think it hurts. Okay. You know? So what we'll do is we'll, we run this script. We get the each individual mailbox size. And then when we, when we import it into Excel, it calculates the total mailbox size. So then we have a good idea, okay, this mailbox is going to be X. I think the only time it will really matter, uh, and I'm just thinking this out, is when you're doing your initial seed, right? Because you got to go open up a, every envelope and, and get the information and pull it down each envelope at a time, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, so I think for, it would only matter. So for this sizing, earlier you guys were talking about having different retention policies for CEOs or other. Mm-hmm. Do we then take those groups Put yes. them into different spreadsheets and then size the two that, that, That's where we're heading, yeah. Okay. Um, right now, we're, we're kind of going by rule of thumb of, you know, we have, if, if it's 300 gigs of, of exchange data, we may add 15%, right? And that's how we size a repository. But the good thing is, is since okay. we're, we're going to be deploying this in a virtual or cloud environment, uh, we can size storage elastically, right? We can, we need more or less, we can, we can add storage to a VM. We're pretty good at doing that, right? So yeah. that shouldn't be a problem. Um, you know, that's something we discuss with our clients, right? When we're rolling this out, we're like, look, you know, we suspect your mailbox with this retention will be X number of gigabytes or terabytes, right? And and then we go from there. If we need more, we'll work on that. Um, so a little bit about the installation process. Uh, again, you know, really easy. Uh, you get your computer prepped, you know, your server or, or workstation class machine. We always want to do servers, Right. Uh, Windows Server. Um, once you have the repository configured, uh, just the disk mounted and formatted, whatever format you want, um, pick and pick one. Um, you double click on the binary, right? The installer, uh, and you literally step back. You have to import it. You have to, you know, put your license file in. But literally, it's a few uh, straightforward next uh, questions. You configure your repository. You know, one of the first things. I think it will actually build a default repository, which I don't think. Most people delete that right off the bat, right? And they, they build their own repository on whatever disk that they want to write their data to. Um, and then what they do is they go and create a new organization. So rather than clicking on um, in the backup and replication world, instead of clicking on backup jobs and or backup infrastructure, you click on, I forgot what it is in the actual tab, but basically you click on your organization and you click new organization. And then you give the organization credentials, right? So we recommend... And I think this is in the Veeam documentation. You need an account that has um, impersonation privileges, right? So it can get to all the mailboxes. Makes sense, right? You have to Absolutely. be able. You have to have like a backup admin or an administrator account or a sync account. That's right. That goes in and has access to all your mailboxes. Okay. Obviously, can't look at the mailbox if it can't read the mailbox. Perfect point. <laughs> yeah, if you can't get to it, you can't back it up. Uh, but once that's configured and you've got the connection to Office 365. You literally go in and create a job, 
And that's that's a wizard that steps you through. Again, it's not rocket science. You pick all all mailboxes or you select the mailboxes for the job you want. Tell it what repository you want to write to, and you're off to the races, right? The one thing that you can uh, that I like about this product is the frequency, right? So you can do you do have scheduling like in normal BNR jobs, and with this you can schedule I think down to as little as five minutes, right? Yep. So if you want to do a backup every five minutes or once a day, or once every four hours, or once every leap year, or things like this, right? You can do. So I'm guessing, though, you're not going to run something that, that frequently if you're a large organization, because you're not going to be able to uh, go through all the data that quickly. That's correct. Obviously, you know, the first first backup job is going to be the longest, yeah. right? But the thing to remember is you kind of have to you have to do you have to read your documentation, and you have to understand some things that Microsoft uh, doesn't like, right? And that's how how frequently data is being accessed. So if you're doing a five-minute job and you're backing up, you're, you're going through all your mailboxes, uh, Microsoft has the idea of hotspots. And if it finds that there's a mailbox that's it's becoming hot or overused or something like this, it'll actually deny connections for X amount of minutes and then mm-hmm. open them back up. So typically, um, you know, once the initial backup job is completed, you know, we would say five minutes might be fine for small mailboxes. Uh, maybe you want to spread that out a little bit um, for larger organizations, it all depends on your needs, and it all depends on what you're trying to do. Yeah, and, and I think uh, I understand why you'd want to run it more more regularly because you're going to miss if someone receives a message and shift deletes it or something of that nature before that nightly backup runs. That's where you'd be wanting to run it more often. So I understand that. Yeah, yeah. Just got to be careful. We got to tune it so that we make sure that we don't affect the Office 365 side, and and, and therefore confuse the end user yeah you don't want to be you know the users one thing i like about this product is, is it, the users don't know and it's non-dis, non-disruptive right. right to the user in, experience but um definitely getting your data one of the things i like about the product kind of off of you know we're not talking about necessarily um the installation I, I look uh, this product is pretty damn cool um, is if you're looking for an email message and you're searching but maybe you want to peer into the email before you recover it uh, you can actually do and preview the email, right? So you can double-click on the email when you find it, bring it up, and see it in rich text format or whatever, and look at attachments. That's really cool. That if nice. you want to look at what you're doing before you actually go recover it, right? Typically, this is going to be done by the backup administrator and someone who has permissions yeah. to do this type of work. Now, that being said, that's great. I mean, what what if, what what about me as an end user? So let's just say I wanted to go look at some of my backups, say, hey, I think I deleted something. Am I able to look, use this console and get logged in and then see any of my backups? It, it depends. It depends if you have permissions. Typically, you know, a, a, a regular user won't be logging into the, VOB, the VBO server and looking at that, right? Because you're going to be able to see other e- other maybe coworkers' emails. Maybe that's against policy, right? So typically, when a recovery is being done, uh, that's going to go to the IT. That seems like a good feature we might want to have the Veeam team start thinking about adding. Is so as an end user, I should be able to say, "Hey, can I look at my repository?" And I don't need, I won't be able to delete because for uh, legality reasons, I probably don't have that. But I'd like to be able to restore, you know, mm-hmm. messages that I have deleted maybe a year ago or two years ago. You know, I, I personally don't try to delete anything, so I'm able to go back in my email a long way. Um, but, you know, users delete things, and they say, you know, I had that message a couple of years ago when I talked about this product, you know. Let me go see if I can find that. And then they'd be able to open up and look in their own backup repository to see if, hey, and oh, only their own mailbox. Yeah, sure. maybe that's great. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's a great idea, and uh, definitely encourage you guys to use the Veeam forums and put in those feature requests and um, – 
you know, hopefully get those things added. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I want to do a, a plug for the Veeam forums. Uh, I will say that um, I, I really didn't know that they existed. I mean, I kind of knew they were there uh, when I first started getting getting introduced to Veeam. But when I went to Veeam on, which was here in New Orleans last year in 2017, man, for service providers, it's fantastic. So, you know, if, if, if you need to go uh, talk to other people who may be experiencing the same, you know, challenges. It's a great forum to go to go talk into. And a lot of times, the Veeam, the, you know, the Veeam celebrity guys, you know, the the, the Anton and and uh, Rick Vanover and these guys, they're they're watching those those um, those forums as well as some of the developers, right? So, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was going to add to that. Our development team plays uh, very close attention to those forums. So a, a lot of our, our key uh, changes and developments uh, have come directly from requests from the forums. So that is a good point. Fantastic. Um, so, yeah, so being able to look at the email and, and all the other things we talked about earlier, that's that's really cool. Uh, how is it licensed? Um, you want to talk a little bit about that, guys? And then we'll uh, talk about what we're going to be doing here at, at Etel. Uh, as far as... Um, guys is in the Veeam team, or did you guys get? Yeah, yeah, no, if you guys want to talk a little bit about just how it's licensed, uh, you know, to, to, to a normal user, uh, maybe mm -hmm. who's not, maybe uh, not in a service provider role, uh, and then right. I'll talk so about it. So typically, um, yeah, so any, any end user that wants to take advantage of um, the O365 backup will be purchasing it on a uh, per sub subscription base. Um, so they, they basically get a one-year subscription, and they can add multiple years at a, at a discount. Um, I don't have the prices right in front of me, um, but we can share those as well uh, after we get done here. So. Yeah, no worries. How we're doing things here, at, uh, you know, so Etel uh, is a uh, Veeam service provider. We have a partnership with you guys. And we're really offering it as, as two flavors, kind of, as you mentioned earlier, as a subscription model where we're licensing it by mailbox, right, out to the customer. And that really can be on, on their gear. So kind of we're doing it two flavors. One, uh, if the customer's like, hey, I want to run this on in my premises and, and, and be a be a subscriber through through Etel, we're doing that, right? And we have scripts that run out and uh, get the number of mailboxes consumed, and we, we can charge accordingly. What most people I'm finding as I go talk to people about Veeam or give demos of VBO, I keep saying VBO, uh, wait, VBO. There we go. <laughs> As we talk about VBO, uh, a lot of customers are like, "Hey, I'm I'm comfortable with Etel running this in their cloud, right? In our cloud environment, which is vCloud Director based, it's VMware based, and so on." So what we're doing is is we're actually rolling out a customer VM uh, in their cloud. Even if they're just running one VM, we can host this in our cloud, and that's where we install the application. Uh, set up the job and help them do their backups. And we're really kind of doing it as two as two flavors. One, as a unmanaged uh, solution, right, where customers like, look, I want to handle everything. Give me CPU, disk, and RAM and network. Uh, you know, Etel will help the customer get the application installed, configured, and best practices, and get the repository and proxy size right. And the customer has full administration rights to the to the um, to the VM, right? And they can once they have some initial training, they're off to the off to the off to the races and can manage their own backups. Um, the other flavor we're selling it as as a, we're selling it as an unmanaged solution. Oh, I'm sorry, a managed solution, where um, the customer won't have access to the VM. They won't be able to log into the console, but we manage everything for them. We manage the connectivity to Microsoft to make sure that we're backing up the data. We look at logs, we look at patching of the operating system, we roll out Veeam updates when they come out and kind of do the care and feeding of the VM itself, mm -hmm. and also any of the patching that we need to on the um, v v uh, VBO server. So, the, so 
maybe one of the differentiators in my mind is that in a unmanaged, you get it, and that's the license you ha- you're on until you buy the next version. And in a managed, you get it as all the new versions as they come. No, with unmanaged or managed, you're still consuming our licensing. So okay, so they do. So yeah, okay, yeah it really it really comes into the standpoint of hey, um, are you going to take on the administration of the VM and backup jobs, and you know we'll help right. you when you if you need if you need technical support or. Uh, best practice support. You know, you come to Etel first. We'll help you do that. And if we, if it's something we can't solve, we'd call you know Nick and 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 uh, Brandon, right? But um, we kind of we kind of get them taken on. But once they're installed and configured, we let them run with it, right? And they have full access to get to the console and do recovers and backups and all these kind of cool stuff. But some customers are like I don't want to deal with any of that. When I need something recovered, I want to you know call in. Open a support ticket with Etel, and then we take it from there. Our delivery services team goes in, recovers the data for the customer, and, and gets things going. And, and we didn't talk about recovery. We talked a lot about backup and best practices and, and the components. But recovery, I'm going to touch base on this a little bit. This is where it shines, right? Because we can back up, we can recover right back to the Office 365 mailbox. So after the, reco- the message or any uh, um, email uh, object, like calendaring, contacts, tasks, and so on, uh, just pops back in the user's uh, email list, right? Um, that's the easiest way to do it. Or we can export to PST, an MSG file. And that recovery to the mailbox. Are you able to say, hey, I want to recover to the mailbox, but I want to rec- recover it into a folder, a specific folder, and, and then deliver it? I, so you can tell the user, hey, I just recovered a whole bunch of things for you. Yeah, Go look I, in that don't, folder. I don't know if it lets you recover directly into a folder. If it already was in a folder, I think it'll put it back in that placement location, but I don't think it actually... You can tell it go so, to this So folder. default is basically recover to original location. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Now, what you can do is, is if you don't want to do that, you can actually say, well, you know what? Take these messages and resend them to the customer as a new message, and then these recovered messages are just attachments. Okay. So you can say in the subject, hey, you know, in the subject line of the recovery, you can say, hey, here's the messages you, you deleted, dum-dum. And then the recover happens, and you're good to go, Right. Uh, or you can send it to another user. Maybe you're being sequestered by a legal entity or someone else in your organization, HR, and you need to send those emails to that person. You can send it directly to them through the console. Okay. Cool. Well, let me back up. Not through the console, from the Veeam Explorer for Exchange, right? Um, so that's kind of how we're doing it. Uh, we're, we're in pilot phase right now, uh, getting customers onboarded. Uh, literally this week we've had probably you know, a, a, several requests for this, and as we start talking to clients, uh, they're very interested, mainly when they start learning. Hey, you know, Microsoft is great. We love it, but we're not backing it up. Wait, wait a second. You know, what do you mean it's not backed up? Right. Yeah. Uh, that's something that they're that they're finding, and that's why I think this is going to be a successful product for for Veeam as well as as Etel. And I gotta imagine. I mean, we haven't really said this yet, but I mean, if if if, if you decide that you want your mail to be portable and you want to go somewhere else. Having this Veeam local repository with your mail, it could not be any better for you because now you're not having to deal with how do I get my mail out of out of office. Absolutely. Yep, yeah, absolutely. That's a good point too. And um, you know, there's also easy ways to kind of migrate users, right? So when you're in the selection, um, rather than going into the EDB of an individual user, you can actually right-click on that user and, and um, you know kind of restore that user's entire EDB to a different um, you know a different database, maybe on-prem. Um, or to another cloud. So, yeah, it's really good for doing. You know, and, and and again, as you're setting up the connection to Office 365, your options are connect to a complete Office 365 hosted environment where there's no other 
you know, another, no other email, you can connect to your own on-premises email server, right, or do hybrid. So you have three right. options. Again, most people who have their own Exchange server, um, I would tell them, you know, especially if you're running in a VM, a virtual environment, you might want to just use BNR, yeah. right? Back it up and back up the VM and all the goodies that are inside and installed. That would probably be the preferable way to do it. But maybe you have a server or a customer that doesn't want that. Maybe they're in a physical environment. This works fine whether you're physical or virtual. Absolutely. Yeah. So last question I have, and this is something we always kind of like, you know, poke the vendor. What's on the roadmap? Can you say anything what might be coming on, you know, next versions a little bit, a little bit of a tease of what might be uh, to come with this product? Yeah, I wish I could, um, but they keep us in the dark on this. You know, they're uh, they're whipping up the secret sauce down there, so um, we're usually the last to know a lot of times. So. Engineers but do not tell okay. salespeople. That's okay. We live in we live near New Orleans, and next time you come by, you know, whiskey does awesome things to met people. You know, the truth serum. I hear you. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, truth serum in the IT group. Um, yeah, so you know, you know, I think people who are start using the application kind of can put two and two together. What's coming up next? Uh, we won't go into that um, well I highly recommend uh, if you're interested in hearing these roadmaps you know you won't hear them from me but if you go to Veeam on uh, this year in 2018 I think it's in Chicago right that's correct go there and you will hear tons of roadmap discussion uh, from the people that can technically talk about roadmap discussion not not necessarily me but um, hear it right from Veeam that's a great product well guys thanks for so much for being on the podcast it's been a pleasure Absolutely. Thanks for having us. And um, thank you, guys. I definitely think we're going to invite you back for other thing, other things, right? We we definitely a lot are, more Veeam to talk about. There's a lot more Veeam to talk about, right? Yes. From 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 BNR, VBO, Veeam One. There's a lot of stuff we can we're, we're wanting to leverage for our customers. So thank you very much. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, please find us on the iTunes Store if you just search for Etel uh, Business or Etel, or just Etel itself, E A T E L. Uh, you'll be able to pop up and see the Etel Business podcast um, for iOS. That works great for or Mac. You know, if you're doing, if you're an iTunes person, uh, if you're on Android, uh, Stitcher Radio works fine. Uh, you can also go to our website, uh, etelbusiness.com, and there's a link there for the podcast. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, if anyone's listening that wants to submit maybe a topic for us to talk about um, or something like this, you can email podcast at etel.com and we will be able to reply back and, 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 and go from there. Um, obviously, we, we uh, you can also call in on the number on the website and, uh, and go from there. So thanks, everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you next podcast. All right, everyone. Have a great one. Bye.